Welcome to episode 264 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps, and I'd like to thank you for joining us again this week. It's safe to say that at any given time, everyone is going through something in their lives. But rarely do we have a situation where so many people are collectively going through such a trying time. The good news is we're going to get through this, and we can use this time to build new habits and be stronger than before. This week's guest is here to talk about how to manage our energy and deal with such negative emotions as grief, loss, and anxiety. Anish Chaudhry is founder of the Brain Health Clinic, Soul Physio Lifestyle, where he works with a team of doctors, psychologists, and other healthcare professionals to take a whole-body approach to wellness. He's here to talk about what he's seen and what practices we all can use to stay mentally and physically fit during this time. Anish, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because we are in a time of very rapid change. You know, for the past few weeks, a lot of our podcasts have dealt with what people are doing as they're quarantined during a lockdown. But you know, now we're starting to open up, yet we still see a lot of uncertainty. So uh, to start things off, can you talk about some of the tips that you might offer for managing the kind of uncertainty we're dealing with right now? I think the biggest piece of advice that I've been giving to my clients and a lot of other people I've been spoken to on different podcasts and interviews I've been doing is to be in a place of acceptance. And when I say acceptance, I mean accepting the fact that there's just a lot of different things that we can't change that are happening in the world. And not to say they're not a big deal and to minimize it, but for our own sake and our own well-being, stressing out over a lot of these things that we may not control is ultimately going to be counterproductive for our own health and our own well-being. And it's really important to being able to cater to that and coming to a place of understanding that, you know, it's really, really vital that we use our resources in terms of our time and our energy to focus on being able to rebuild our lives to whatever degree they've been affected by this whole pandemic. I'm glad you brought that up because acceptance is something that I've really been doing a meditation on most of the last couple of weeks. And it doesn't mean resignation. Some people feel like if I accept it, then that's kind of resignation. Can you talk about what acceptance does for us? What acceptance does is it frees up space and in your mind and in your spirit to be able to focus on the things that really, really are going to make a positive impact on your life. Because ultimately, when you're in a place of fighting things you can't control, and exerting energy to trying to change things that you simply don't have control over. I don't want to say the word waste, but I guess in a way it is going to be a waste of our resources because, I mean, you know, people talk so much about time management. It's one thing to lose time, but one concept I really like to talk about and introduce that may be even new to some people listening is the concept of energy management. With that, it's really, really thinking about, okay, not only how am I spending my time, but how is my mind engaged? Like, am I truly fully present in what I'm doing? Or am I worried and anxious thinking about what happened yesterday or what could happen tomorrow? Because when you spend time thinking about the past or worrying about the future, that drains a significant amount of energy. And being able to stay grounded in the present moment, like fully in a very mindful place, then puts us in a position to where we can begin to analyze from a rational standpoint, not from an emotional standpoint, in terms of, okay, here's how say the pandemic has influenced my life and A, B, and C, and here's what I can do, D, E, and F, about how to solve that. I'm glad you brought that up because it gets difficult if you turn on the news because even though they're saying, oh, hey, we're opening up a little and it's getting better, but we can expect a second wave. So I hear a lot of people 
parroting that where they're saying, you know, it's like, hey, things are getting better. They're like, yeah, but this is coming. So they are putting that energy into, yeah, don't get too comfortable. Don't like this too much because it's going to get bad again. Yeah. And I think just inevitably when you have a quarantine of this degree and yes, I mean that you can flatten the curve per se, but when you do open up, the virus is still circulating. So I think that we will see more cases, but then at the same time, that's just part of the process. I mean, I've really had to come into a place of accepting that it's some of the most troubling times I've seen in my life. And I know I probably will see my, the duration of my life, but I've also used this time as a time to go inwards and really learn it and spend time doing things that I wouldn't have had time doing had I been in California, say, running my businesses like I normally would have. And it's opened up opportunities, you know, to meet people because with this new virtual platform that everyone's having to adopt and really becoming, with the social distancing, really having to utilize Zoom and whether it's with friends, family, or for business, I've met more people over the course of these past two months than I met my whole entire life just because of accessibility. That to me is amazing. Yeah, and there are gifts that have come out of this. It's not been probably our favorite time ever, but there are gifts that we've all gained from it. If we can take a minute to look at those. At the same time, we've lost a lot of things and there are a lot of people who are going through grief, whether it's from, you know, events that they missed, graduation that they didn't get to have, weddings that got postponed. What are some of the different ways that people might be feeling that grief? can really, really manifest in different ways for everybody. But I know that people are going through a lot of pain right now. And I think that that's one thing we can all agree on is that the pain takes different shapes and different forms for different people. We all have different methods of coping with that pain. But I think ultimately it comes back to how we started off with talking about acceptance and understanding that to have that event could have perhaps spread the virus even more. And, you know, there could have been negative outcomes from it and understanding that. Now, there's really nothing we could have done to change the fact that it's not there and still finding ways to celebrate, whether it's said graduation or said event that could have happened, and finding ways to make the most of the situation that we're currently in, as difficult as it is. I think it's ultimately focusing on the fact that we have a roof over our head, we have food on the table, you know, the basic needs are met, and coming to a place of focusing on what we do have rather than what we don't have. And how important is it to acknowledge that grief to be able to kind of let it go? Do you have any steps that you take to take those emotions and and then release them? I think journaling is a huge tool that I use for myself and my life on my healing journey that I also use with my clients because it gives you a chance to put down concrete on paper what you're feeling as opposed to running on that hamster wheel inside your head, which can be very disturbing at times when you get on like a train of negative thoughts to where it can really, really wreak havoc on someone's mind. And then that ultimately manifests in the body. And, you know, staying in those periods of stress and anxiety for long periods of time is very, very unhealthy. And so that's where using tools such as journaling and, you know, perhaps even seeking out a therapist and being able to confide in other people is extremely important. You deal with both the mind and the body. What is the grief and the stress that we're experiencing right now doing to our physical health? When we're under a state of stress, it's basically stemming from an overactivity and overstimulation of our nervous system because our stress response was meant to be a survival mechanism used for short instances in prehistoric times when we would either do one of two things, which is fight or flight, hence the name of the fight or flight response. And staying in periods of chronic stress are what lead to many different illnesses such as heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, 
diabetes and many of these other diseases that people have seemed to be having a lot more as a result of being in this state of chronic stress and being able to create awareness through tools like journaling and we spoke about meditation and being able to utilize deep breathing to be able to calm ourselves down in those moments. And like we said, the goal is not to minimize what's happening, but the goal is to be able to calm ourselves down so then we can think rationally about what's happening rather than say acting out and then taking even further action that may cause further harm to ourselves or even potentially those around us. And how big is the physical component? Because I know that you're very interested and very attuned with our physical activity and maintaining our health that way. So how does that play into all of this and our emotions at this time? Having some daily movement scheduled in your day is incredibly important. And when I say movement, that could take the form of yoga, going out for a walk, lifting weights, but ultimately finding ways to move your body. And if weather permitting, wherever you're located geographically, getting outside and getting sun and getting that vitamin D is so important because, you know, there's studies and research that have shown that, you know, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you're much more likely to be depressed. And so people that have depression don't want to get off the couch or perhaps get out of bed. But then when really in order to help beat that depression, so much of being able to beat it is to be able to get out and actually move your body and get those healthy endorphins and the dopamine and the serotonin flowing through natural means. And not to say that medication couldn't be helpful in certain situations, but I do believe that it's important to do what we can do that's within our control. And one thing we can control is whether or not we move our body throughout the course of the day. And how do we then continue to connect with people as well? I have a friend who is afraid to go running because there's other people out there running and he's afraid of catching the virus. I would posit that his chances of catching the virus are slim, but the chances of it doing something fantastic by getting out in the sun and getting some exercise are very good. Um, So how do you get people comfortable with getting out there? understanding that you know they have social distancing measures in place for that reason if there's someone running you know you just maintain the recommended distance and don't touch surfaces when you're out and you know ultimately keeping to yourself that's just part of where we're at now and ultimately if we're holding ourselves back from fear that's putting us in a state of stress and anxiety and ultimately we are letting the fear win and we can't do that like fear is naturally a natural physiological response within our brain associated with that fight or flight response. But ultimately, if we let that fear dictate how we live our life, we're just going to be sitting there thinking, what if? Like, man, I would love to do that. But like, blah, blah, blah. This is the reason why I can't do it. And we're going to be sitting wondering what if. And that's like the perfect recipe to create even more grief, more guilt, more shame within the individual. And then that's ultimately counterproductive. And can some of those same techniques that you've talked about work for countering the fear as for the other negative emotions? Absolutely. I mean, I believe ultimately it's not so much the specific emotion that's important as just understanding what's causing that emotion because there's going to be different causes for different emotions, but ultimately it's going to stem from having awareness within ourselves. So I think it's like if someone has mental illness or depression or anxiety, The goal is not to get hung up on the symptoms. The goal is to figure out what's causing that so then you can take action to being able to eradicate and address the underlying root of that fear, that anger, that depression, that anxiety, or whatever it is that you're facing. You know, and we're talking about adults and and how we deal with things, but 
teens are having a really tough time. I think about for myself how horrible it would have been to be trapped in my parents' house all, you know, for months. But with teenagers, what are some of the ways that parents can support them and the feelings they're having? Because they're going through just the whole gamma of being a teen and everything that comes with that on top of dealing with this. So what can parents do? It's very important at this time to be a parent and to be there, not just physically be there, but mentally be there too. And actually be engaged, ask them questions, play games, you know, make an effort, even if it may not be the norm to be there or else the teenagers are struggling already as it is to find direction in their life because, you know, it's a very confusing time in terms of just how the body's developing and all the different influences they may be experiencing in high school from peers, starting to get out on the dating scene and starting to play sports. It's a very progressive time of life. And I think being able to just all of a sudden being uprooted from the school system and stuck home and saying there's this deadly disease, watch out. It's traumatizing. And I think what could help to mitigate some of the long-term effects of that trauma for teenagers would be parents stepping in and really, really being there for their kids and participating and taking an active role in ensuring that they're okay. And if they're not okay, take whatever steps the parents can take helping to get that, whether it's getting a therapist for your teen or whatever the case may be, it's really about the parents taking time and being present and actually being there for their children, first and foremost. Yeah, that's great advice. And to be able to implement something as a family, are there any practices or things that you could suggest, activities that they can do as a family? Because a teenager doesn't necessarily want to talk about their feelings, especially to mom and dad. What are ways to address that? and do it in ways that will be safe, supportive, and maybe not threatening. Perhaps looking up different resources online, different educational resources, and encouraging the child perhaps buy them a journal and get them perhaps send them a couple articles on journaling and to how that could be beneficial. And just gently remind them, you know, if you notice that they're not feeling well, just say, hey, I'm here if you need to talk. And if they don't want to talk, just continuing to remind them. And ultimately, I think one area where parents, I don't want to say can go wrong because a lot of times there's no master copy of how to be a parent out there. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. But one thing I noticed from my life and what I've seen with a lot of people that I've worked with is that the parents want to really, really step in. And when their child is struggling, they want to be able to change that. And at times the parents have to understand that children are going through their own process. And sometimes it's best to just let them go through that process so they can have that experience to learn. Because if the parent's always stepping in and solving the problem for the child, it's going to create this pattern to where then the child becomes dependent upon the parent to solve their problems for them. And, you know, of course, within those years, they've got to be there to a degree. But if it's just something like an emotional crisis that may seem like the end of the world for a 13-year-old, sometimes the best thing to do is just sit back and kind of let them do their thing because they'll come out of it. That's just part of the growing up process, as I like to say. How does a parent know when it's time to step back a little bit? I know that's a huge hurt for parents right now. Like their children have missed out on all these things and they really want to make it up. Well, I can understand that. And I think it is important to step in and and try to do something special. But in cases where you can notice erratic and perhaps irrational emotions, perhaps like a nervous breakdown or they start crying. And, you know, like I said, if you offer help and they clearly say no, and yet you want to continue to step in, it's only going to create negative emotions from the the child towards the parent. 
that's not going to be good because that's not what we want is for our children to get angry with us. It may just be life circumstance. And, you know, they don't have quite the comprehension as, say, an adult of perhaps some of the different economic ramifications and a lot of the different things that are happening. They're just freaking out because they're not at school. And so I think being there for them, but then if they just don't want the help, giving them a little bit of space and then just checking in from there. Is, is, I think it's really about letting the child have their own experience without feeling the need to influence that experience and tell them what they are feeling. I think if you say like, oh, well, you're feeling this way because of that, it's just going to confuse them even more. Right. So now as we're opening up and we're getting back to what is being called the new normal, and it doesn't really seem that normal, but how can people enter this in to maintain managing their anxiety to keep those negative emotions at bay and move forward with confidence that we will be okay. It's really, really important that we take the time now while we are home and while we perhaps can step away from what have been our busy lifestyles in the past to take the time to educate ourselves and to perhaps take a course or read articles or listen to podcasts about how we can make wellness our priority and, and engaging in eating healthy exercising, doing meditation, journaling, and making that the foundation for how we live life. Because then if we root our life in concepts of wellness and we root our lifestyle in a healthy way, it puts us in a position to then we're much more equipped to handle all the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of the world. Because the world is always going to be filled with ups and downs and ebbs and flows wherever we are, whatever point in time everyone's going to face challenges. That's inevitable. And this time just happens to be one of the more significant challenges we face as a collective. And that's where the more that we're rooted in self and the more we feel confident inside of ourselves, that is how we're going to be able to stay calm, cool, and collected, regardless of whatever's happening around us. We got a little gift in the sense that we're going into summer now, and summer is typically a more relaxed time. We do have a little bit more time on our hands overall, so we can use that to really ground ourselves in some of these practices and principles that you're talking about. Absolutely. I just think it's got to take a conscious effort and an attention because it's not going to happen by itself, and ultimately it's in the hands of the parents to take action and set good examples for the children. And that's another thing that, you know, if children see their parents being healthy and they see them in a good mood, they're going to be much more likely to want to do what the parents are doing. Versus if mom and dad are upset and arguing about whatever may be happening, you know, if there's, say, problems with the bills and and the children absorb what the parents do. And then ultimately, it's up to us to be able to model good behavior, even if we're facing significant hardship, that it's ultimately up to us to be able to respond in an according way as opposed to reacting from an emotional place and ultimately losing control of how we handle the situation. Excellent advice. Well, Anish, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. And I'm going to come back in a couple seconds, tell people how they can find your website, learn more about you, see more of what you have to offer. But thank you so much for taking the time sitting down and and sharing your insight today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That was Anish Chaudhry talking about some of the practices we can use to cope with negative emotions right now. If you'd like to learn more about Anish and the work he's doing, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. And a reminder to bring a little bit of happiness to your workday every day with the Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. Visit our website for a link to enable this as a skill, then start your morning by saying, Alexa, give me my Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. 
that is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. Oh, 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 o